be able to kind of provide that, um, get everybody on the same page, really great MASC uh, you know, workshops that I know the three of us had had a couple of years ago, really kind of pulled that back in. Um, and that was so Tracy, I'll take it over. To me, that pick was sort of picking what I was picking. 
is let me preface this by saying um, that before I went into MIC work, I was a high school English teacher. Um, I'm a parent of three, I can't say two teenagers anymore, one of those now over 20, but three young women, shall we say. Um, and I work with school kids all the time, which means I'm very accustomed to being interrupted. So it is entirely fine to at any point say, can you say more about this? I don't understand that. How does this work here? That's why we're doing this, okay? Um, so it, 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 while occasionally I did lose my train of thought, you probably are going to throw me off. Code of ethics, um, first of all, and by that I actually mean specifically this, the school committee code of ethics is not the sort of ethics commission, ethics law kind of code of ethics. Um, then the responsibilities, um, and then a little bit about the open meeting law in terms of review and, and sort of operationalizing it in terms of the committee. So first, the school committee code of ethics. So what, when we talk about the code of ethics for, as, as an association, we're talking about um, a document that was actually written pretty early on in MISC's um, history. So MISC created, um, among others, like Tim O'Neill, for whatever the camera school committee, um, but she, and one of the things that it lays out um, is really this notion of what is the school committee member's responsibility in three areas. So if you're going to talk about school committee, you'll people talk about the local public office, you're going to hear people talk a lot about the members' relationship to the community, right? You hear people talk about constituents, and they're responsive to constituents, and what about the electorate, what about voters, and all that kind of thing. So a lot of times about taxpayers, but the code of ethics actually puts the member in a three-part, three-way kind of relationship. And those things um, should be working in concert, but sometimes they also work in tension with each other. So you also not only have a relationship with your community, but you also have a relationship with the rest of your committee, and you also have a relationship with your administration. And I really think this last one is the one that we tend to talk about the least. Um, so I tend to potentially, if anything else, overemphasize it, because I do think it's important for committee members to understand that they do have a, a responsibility to their, their administration. So when I take each of these terms, I am not gonna read every single word on here, uh, but I'm going to give you an overview, and then in each case, I'm going to actually then talk about what each of those things means, okay? So, in terms of um, your relationship with your community, by the way, I will be happy to give you slides, so, you know, take a note if you want to, but feel free, you know that this is coming your way. Um, and this is actually available in other places, you may even have to call us as well, like these two. So, um, some of this is stuff that you have actually heard before, right? Your first responsibility is to the children of the school district. Your basic function is policy making. You don't administrate the district. You're one of a team. Um, and you have to abide by any kind decision. You do your responsibility well in the forms. You have to represent the entire community at all times. This is one I always laugh about on election night. People thank the people who voted for them and say that they only represent them. Um, and then you are, it is a means of unselfish service with no intent to make politics or to benefit personally. Um, I will say that rarely do I find that I've ever going into this. Um, however, it's a good thing to have. So in terms of what does that actually end up meaning, in terms of your relationship with your community? Your first responsibility is always to the students. Um, now the one place I sometimes do see this wrangling is when we start talking about, say, fiscal policies about D in the budget. Um, actually, yeah, your first responsibility is to the students even before the tax. Um, and that can be tricky. And I 
physician is a member of the community. Um, and it was actually a colleague of mine from another state. We have uh, state traders, which is all the people who train school, school boards across the country have a common group, who pointed out that there's no word. Um, you know, we have Congress people, and we have senators, and we have city councilors, and we have mayors. But there's no word for a school committee member. You are a member of a committee. That is your only title. Thing from people inside 
didn't usually end up ever being a thing. But, um, you know, teaching kids how to, you know, potentially if that you're into that in your family, teaching kids how to deal with that. So make sure that you, you keep that in mind. 
Remember that your evaluative responsibility is balanced by the fact that you have to actually choose your mind how to do different um, And so making sure that they are fully invested with the authority of your office to take the decisions. We'll talk about that in a second. And then they should really only show up on an agenda, um, aside from budget, policy, goals, and so forth, if complaints have already gone to administrative staff and there hasn't been a resolution, or, because sometimes this happens too, administration says, you know, the real answer to this is actually going to be the school committee to create a policy and the school committee to do X, Y, and Z, because sometimes that happens too. So what does that end up meaning? You can only act as a member of the committee, okay? Um, again, your authority is vested um, in your city as a member of the committee, not as an individual. Um, make sure you have an understanding, particularly as a new member, of what is the process. Um, if you have a concern, you think the superintendent needs to know about. If there's something that's going on at an elementary school, where does that go? Where does it go if there's a concern? Where does it go after the principal if there's something that's already talked to the principal? So um, if you feel that the committee or the community needs information, that's something that should be brought to the full committee for the committee to decide before you go asking in an administration to create a lot of information and attributes a lot of the time, okay? Um, one of the things I think that sometimes see, not a struggle, but um, it's important for school committee members to know that the first responsibility of administration is not to write reports to school committees, uh, for school committee members, okay? They should, we hope that they're doing something else with most of their time. Um, and so when they get an email from a school committee member that says, hey, can you give me X, Y, and Z? If they can't immediately put their hands on X, Y, and Z because they already exist, it's probably something that we should be working through the chair um, to discover whether or not something that the committee wants to ask for. Okay? Um, so keep that in mind. Um, and then again, what's your thing? Policy, budget, goals, evaluation. You're going to find that there's a decent amount that actually falls under those things um, or that are related to those things, but make sure that you're staying there. Any questions on this one?
that it's time of the pandemic gave people the idea that like, the school committee was the decider for everything, um, which of course is not actually the case. And I think that school committees attempting to sort of reestablish their own lines and bounds has been some of the work of the last couple of years. Of, you know, we all have to be at the same table all the time because of the emergency, and that's great, cool, and a lot of people did some great work then. Um, but making sure that we're now back to what is actually our job under Chapter 71 is just pretty So yeah. if we were to ask for some additional information, like you said, it's not necessarily just easy to grab. Yeah. How would we go about that deliberation? Is this something that we can just kind of ask for clarity from the chair as to how we should best communicate? Yeah. Or does it have to be, you know, open meeting where everyone kind of sits there and we, we lay everything out ahead of time? So the first thing is that you should know that as an individual member, you can always talk to your chair. Okay. So then I'm going to let Dave take the rest of the because yeah, I'll be able to, because when it's, especially if it's just, you know, you have a question directed right to me, um, as we'll talk about in the open meeting law, there is no, um, no necessary basis for the, the number of people. Just you and I have a conversation, we can have a conversation, and if I can kind of get the answers for you, I might be able to have it. Um, but if it's something that's a little bit bigger, we can also kind of talk about the prospect of, there was one thing that we talked about, uh, Student fees to be for service. It is something that started as a conversation between myself and the former chair, and then I just got brought up during a meeting, during the good of the board, possibly kind of looked at it even further than we have explained that. So, you know, obviously, especially during our meetings, you don't want to ask a question, but if you have something like that, just get an email. You can kind of have that one on one conversation, and then maybe make it broader, and then we can kind of formalize it. But I mean, the other thing that the, that the chair or the any of your colleagues who have a little more experience might be able to tell you is, um, you know, maybe you want to know, um, like, what are our enrollment trends? There probably is a natural time of year where that may even already be something that the superintendent's going to have to report to you, right? Fees coming up during the budget process is not uncommon. So it can be a useful thing for you to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're actually going to have, you know, we'll have that conversation as part of our next point So, you know, hang on tight. We're going to make sure we get full information. But we're going to make sure, you know, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the time with your stays and that kind of stuff. So, yep, there, there can be some natural places during the year where some of those conversations happen. Sometimes, sometimes the topic of two of this presentation that's been shared ahead of time. Sometimes um, individual members can shoot me directly and say, hey, I have a couple of questions that for Tuesday, for example, that I'm previewing the teaching and learning slides for the meeting. I just have a couple of things that I and actually that is sort of separately speaking an amazing thing to be able to do for your administration if you are unable in any way and I'm seeing administrators having something for that uh, which is that if you got the backup for the presentation for the meeting and you already know if you're going to have this question and this question and this question you can send it to them ahead of time uh, first of all you make everybody look smarter but you also can make better information because they had a chance to stop and think about it and maybe give it a, you know, what additional information they needed. Um, so, I mean, there are certainly other committees that have protocols of, like, this prize, this is a gotcha, and that kind of thing. And I'm not in any way saying, because, like, like, you're going to have a presentation and people are going to say stuff and this is on the slide, so ask what questions you need to. But if you already know, I mean, I just, you know, I'm coming off with a school committee in December, but we have a, you know, we're going to be doing updating our strategic plan. I just sent an email off to our deputy superintendent and I said, look, we're lacking our little structure on these three slides. Yes, I was a teacher and those habits are. 
can we fix that so I don't have to stand there at the meeting and say, and this is not parallel structure, and this is not parallel structure, because nobody wants to see that. Um, so, you know, those are, again, you don't have to have my particular weird things, but whatever the things are, it's useful for you to be able to give those to us. And if you are able, and again, don't take this as Tracy Novick said, I have to be able to ask all my questions ahead of time. That's not what she said. the subcommittees start to kind of to move there was uh, those became a like, very informative opportunity for everybody to kind of go and ask questions about especially you know budget and policy really you learn so much just kind of by sitting in some of those meetings uh, and then they all just kind of brought on that year that I'm just too. absolutely um, for, for committees that are really working well um, a lot of the committee work is
you are meeting in a session that is not public, because it is in the best interest of the Franklin Public Schools for you to have that conversation outside of the public eye. Any of you. So, realize that you're actually there for a reason. Similarly, if for some reason you receive privileged communication, superintendent says, look, you're telling you a heads up, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. You're getting that information that's privileged for a reason. Respect the integrity of the privilege of the, of the information. Okay? Um, there are plenty of examples and plenty of reasons that you get those, that information in the way that you do. Um, in lots and lots of cases, you actually undermine the interests of the district. In some cases, in some very, um, very strict legal capacities, if you actually share information with them. Now, on the other hand, if you have information that you think would be useful for your committee to know, for those who are intended to know, what have you, um, sure. Okay, if you're one of those people who you know keeps up on the latest news of what's happening in the, the state house, and there's something that comes across your radar screen that you think would be useful, know what the protocol is for sharing information with your colleagues. We'll talk about that when we talk about the open meeting. Maybe they go to the chair, maybe they go to the superintendent's office. Um, but make sure that they know that information, okay? Um, I also want to raise this in particular because some of you have more experience than others in being on the committee. You just shared a great example of being a parent and being on the committee, okay? If you're new to the committee, seek that kind of advice from your colleagues who've been on the committee longer, okay? That it may be going to the chair, it may be establishing an individual relationship with one of your colleagues, but they've already sat at this table, they've already done the budget, they've already updated policy, they've evaluated the superintendent. Um, seek that information and, and um, share. And then similarly, in terms of making decisions, make decisions only after all facts and questions have been presented and have been delivered. So what does that mean? Even when you're in the minority position, even when you've lost the vote, you still then are a member of the committee that made this decision, okay? And you want to make sure that you're pursuing whatever the interest of the district is. Um, make sure that you do your part to make sure that the business of the district can be carried out during the meetings. So we talk a lot, we talk about chairs, just making sure, you know, chairs to make sure that either items are under the purview of the committee, that the uh, discussions don't go off course, that all the comments take time, all those kinds of things. But individual committee members can also have a role to play in terms of sort of you know pushing the ball back into the lane. Um, you know, well we're getting we're kind of veering off topic in terms of our deliberation. Let's go back to what the item actually is. Well, you know, we've actually discussed this for a significant amount of time. Let's wrap up this discussion. There are ways in which you as an individual member also can make sure that you actually say what you're supposed to be doing. Um, recognize the decisions that are made in communities are a result of deliberation.
And what is the method by which any individual member should share information with the rest of the committee? We'll actually ask that question. Of the chair and the vice chair. Let's do something like Yeah, so um, I would say, you know, first and foremost, you know, we all have our official school, uh, yeah, from public school emails. I think that's the, the best official channel to get something in writing to either Dave, myself, or the superintendent. Um, you know, if something is, you know, quick that maybe they as much formally, you can always say, feel free to shoot us text to give us a call. But I mean, the, the best way to be um, on, on the up and up to actually do it from a format would be um, an email that way we all know. Exactly um, what is being asked, and we can kind of keep, keep track of that. And then again, you know, first, you know, something that I can go to Dave. That's probably the best way he that, that way he's aware of it. And then can we take it up to Lucas, another member of the administration? That's the um, best way to go about it from there. Just, I'm, I'm just thinking about where we live, live in the world now, where public records requests are uh, a real thing as well. So uh, I always say this to all uh, my employees: if you wrote something. It's possible that someone could request a series of specific emails, and typically, I'm a target falls on that short list of the folks. I say target because I don't think this is meant to be productive. I think it's meant to try to catch something going on. So if it's like we are doing a freedom of information request and we're looking for all emails that you sent between this date and this date with these people, that's why when I read at the end, please don't reply all because one, I'm trying to make sure we don't give optics or appearance of publicly or privately deliberating in an email, but also I do that for your benefit so you're not caught up in a request that maybe wasn't even about you, but now you've written something that um, is best not shared publicly and screenshot and put on Facebook and you know, that type of thing. So um, I would just say I think the idea of uh, emailing and just writing as though sometimes you want to put something out that you're like, yep, this is a legit question or this is a legit comment. That I want to make sure I, I share and communicate, but I think I'm just always putting that out there as a caution to anybody that's really No, that's a very good point. Remember that, that you as a public person have to trust. Yes. Just to add about the emails, you are sending the email rather than putting folks in the two or the CC, BCC, everybody. Yes. Just the form that you're saying it to everybody, because at that point it's BCC'd. You can't reply to all anyway. You can only reply to this person sent to you. So. Absolutely the right have to ask to be if you for some reason ever are running into a with any BCC in it. So yeah. And so I mean yeah, so if you you know you come across a news article, you come across a report, you want the whole committee to have it, um, you can either send it to me and ask him to distribute it further, or you could you certainly can send it in BCC or post. There's no reason why you can't do that. That's not a violation of anything. Um, just don't then have one of you that are replying to emails and say, you know, we should put this on the next agenda and then make sure that we change the budget to today. Right?
long-term, big-picture uh, overview kind of stuff as the committee. And the superintendent is literally the manager of the district. Day-to-day, -day, um, in as many weeks as necessary, uh, minute by minute, hour by hour, and so all the way through. Dollar by dollar, cent by cent, all the way. The superintendent focuses, the, the school committee focuses on ends and the results. And the superintendent is the one that's focusing on how you get it. Okay, the means, the method, and so forth. So, this is, as you go through your year and you think about things that have to do with the district, uh, this means a couple of things. If you're talking about the district mission, the district vision, the district goals, the district plan, all of that is in the perfect school committee. Okay, that's that again. Big picture, long term, where are we going, what, that kind of thing. The superintendent is about how we get there. Okay, so what are the strategies of how we're going to get to there? What are the action plans? We talk about how the school committee does policy. The superintendent does procedures and regulations. So you lay out the here's here's what we're doing. The superintendent is the one that's in charge of actually getting This is why, by the way, I tell you that you've got to pass policies and actually get there, right? Otherwise, you're not actually doing your job, the policy stuff. And then the budget ultimately does belong to the school committee, um, although the day to day actually spending of the budget does actually belong to the superintendent. This is not a perfect budget, but in general, if it is the answer to what, why, or how much, it probably is something that's under the purview of the school committee. If it is the answer to how, who, where, or when, it probably is under the purview of the superintendent. Probably. Not always, but probably. Um, in most cases, there is a bridging that's happening and a shedding happening at the school committee table. So the bridge between the community and the superintendent should be the school committee. I guess it's your constituency question again. Um, whereas the superintendent should be the bridge between the staff and the committee. And then something that I really like here is at the bottom which is that we actually have sort of the measure of the handoff back and forth. Um, so for example, think about the budget. The superintendent recommends the budget. It's then deliberated and voted by the school committee. It goes back to the superintendent for implementation, and the school committee then monitors the budget. And actually, superintendent then, that monitoring informs the next recommendation, okay? Same thing often is true of policy. Same thing is um, true usually of the goal setting. to me, and I haven't really thought about it this way before, but someone noted to 
me that um, a colleague noted that, that if you moved to a state town and um, didn't have to go to school, um, your only knowledge of a school may well be your training on the local cable access and senior school And if that was the only impression that someone had at their school what would they think? And I have to say that that really brought on to me a lot of sort of shock in it, right? Which is that um, as someone who works with the association, as someone who's done on the school committee, as much as it's fun to pop popcorn and whatever else, you don't want to have a pop popcorn kind of school Okay? Um, if you're there for community entertainment, then something is probably breaking down something else. Okay? That's not necessarily the argument. A community of that school committee, that the school district, and a larger community trust. Um, a, a relationship that's built on mutual trust and respect, and then that is clear in public, um, as well as in private, but they public document requests, um, that actually matters a lot to the school district. Um, and it also means you actually end up making for a better working relationship, because as I indicated, you know, this is a nice generalization, but there are going to be times when those lines are blurry, okay? And among other things, for example, we found during the pandemic, and Um, 
direction and the organization of the school district. Um, in their general terms, sometimes when you policy in the school district, you get into wrestles of like, well, it's kind of vague. Well, yes, because oftentimes the procedure that underlies it, that comes to the administration is going to do that. In setting up a framework for the superintendent to actually move in a direction that's set up by the school committee. And I do not actually formally adopt the um, policy. Now, I will add, um, when we do this in greater depth, we often will sort of give you an exhaustive, almost exhaustive list of all the places the policy are. Certainly, policy led, policy manual, led to handbook. There's lots of other places where you make policy decisions too. When you're doing contractual work, when you're doing tra contracts with your um, bargaining units, um, when you're adopting your budget, there's lots of places where you're actually making policy kinds of decisions. And then the goals are on, on policy. Just with goals that are one thing we've tried to do in recent years, and say over the last five years, is really try to look for alignment and synergy among we have 10 schools. So we moved to level-based school improvement plans, which ultimately fit them. So every school consists of student experiences at the elementary level. What do you expect that every kid, no matter where you go, will get a commonality? Then you move to the middle school, for many schools, the same idea that feeds into the district plan. But I think uh, as we move forward with the new committee, we did goal setting the last committee. We'll need to do that again as a group, um, most likely this spring, um, summer-ish, try to figure out a way that fits in, because we'll start that process for planning for next year once we get through the budget cycle. That'll be the next thing on the docket for, for all of us to kind of look at, because that will ultimately inform how we plan and move ahead Of course, 
your contracts have a personal level associated as well. You establish a compensation, and then you're the employer of record for purposes of collective bargaining. So sometimes that's considered a fit of responsibility. You just call it personnel, maybe it just comes to four. But of course, when it comes to negotiations, it is actually smoothly and it comes to negotiations with the teacher's union and whether the collective bargaining needs to be done. Questions on either of those?
you should put it into it next year, now you've got a problem. Okay? Because now you're actually talking about something that isn't your purview, it's actually your project. So deliberation about something on your purview. I've had committees that have tried to go to the you know, extreme of, well, what do you mean? Everybody's at the school concert. They can't all be at the school concert. There's more there. Or are you all getting together in the back of the, you know, the auditorium and having a conversation about renovating the theater? Now, I need to make sure that I don't go to that policy meeting 
and actually talk at that policy meeting in a way that might be deliberated because events of four, four and Worcester is a seven-member committee, so that would actually be a part of the whole. Um, so, the, if you're a talker and you want to have coffee with people, maybe only meet with people that you're not all set up with, or be very thoughtful about what you're meeting with. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you asked that question because it's, it's a good comment. No one is trying to deprive you of either information or knowing your colleagues better or even having a good conversation. Uh, be conscious of who you're with. Now, do you have an appointment to somebody yet? Or? Uh, no, no, no. So, no, no, no one's getting anywhere, no one's getting any trouble while I'm getting anywhere. So, so, so when, when we, we have a bunch of stuff in the and we post those, right, and we have, those are public people can come to us. So you can deliberate in a meeting with people on that committee because it's a public meeting, right, for that group. Right. There are representatives where an individual might join the school wellness advisory council. In the past, we've had more than one. We've had two, which is, which is fine. But it's focused, those aren't published and posted because we don't have a subcommittee of school committee to do a representative for a handful of smaller like school-based committees. It's not a school committee, subcommittees there. Right. Call them all. That's more of a contributor than a curfew. Right. So yes. we call them on a health and well-being task force, and it's typically yeah. a school committee rep that, that is on that committee. Right. Uh, Tina runs the school wellness advisory council, and it wants to be Both in person and online. I'm glad I did that. Yes. And the 
this is kind of like a follow-up to what you just said there. So I think like deliberation is an important word here. Yes. It's like it's discussion on something that could be towards a vote. So it seems like deliberation is very intentional, and it's there's probably a line between deliberating and just sharing just information. It's like if someone asks a question about a budget thing, like a fellow like a fellow member of subcommittee of the budget or policy, someone just asks a purely informational question. You can answer that. It's not necessarily deliberating. It's answering a simple question. And like, I'm sure there's a lot of things that aren't deliberation, right? There are things that aren't deliberation. So there are the PTO meeting, and someone says, well, what was, what was the amount of the school district spent on X, Y, Z, or how much is the allocation for this? Um, that's a fact. That's a piece of information. You can turn a piece of information. Um, the minute they get into it, is the committee going to actually put more money towards that this year? The answer is, you don't know. That's up to the committee. The committee's going to do something. Um, so the, the, you know, I, I often say this in terms of getting questions, for example, online. If you can link to a report, if you can link to a vote, you can link to a whatever, that's a very powerful thing to do, and that's actually really a best practice. Similarly, if the question is something where it's on page 256 of the budget, line 26, no problem. Um, if the answer is, well, you know what we're going to be cautious of this. Be cautious of this. Yes. I'm 
Or the other thing is, I mean, I've had committees, not this one, not the folks are up there, committees sometimes will do sort of the little runaway. You could always take yourself out of the, you know, I I'm no longer going to be part of this. Um, and then the extreme example is, you know, committees that are deliberating something that's not posted. Committee members literally, like, leaving the meeting to, to, to deprive the committee of a quorum, right? So, like, we're no longer having a public meeting because there's not a quorum so remember that your body being at the table is part of the account, um, or your body being on email, or whatever it is, um, and that matters too. But yes, if I, if I had actually sent that text to met my colleagues in the mail, I would never say <laughs> <laughs> I did have an option, by the way, we got the memo that was talking about trainers. I said, okay, I'm telling you all in You do have to take a meeting in public session first. We start there. Um, you then have to vote by roll call to enter executive session. A majority of the full body, regardless of who's in the meeting, have to agree. Um, and the, all roll call votes have to be entered into the minutes. You do have to, at the beginning of the meeting, state why did you join into executive session. Now, I did not go into, we're not going to go through all 10 reasons, but there's only 10 reasons. Okay, you don't get to just do this because you want to make public private about something. Sometimes you get these crazy phone calls saying, we're talking about this in public. We do too bad. It's not a time reason for So the chair has to say, this is why we're doing this. This is one of the ten reasons. Give as much information as necessary without compromising the purpose. That means that you're entering into executive session because you're in negotiations. You have to say what you need. If you're entering negotiations, if you're entering executive session because you're being sued, you have to give which lawsuit, okay? Um, and the other thing the chair has to say is whether or not you're going to come back to public session at the end, okay? So this is the general overview. There's more to it than executive session. So, and sorry, anything about executive session first? Yes. Just another example of yeah. uh, when the meeting, it's like, it's like a mini meeting. It's called order, right? You go through. Uh, the topic we stick to at times. I've been guilty of this. You kind of start talking, and then I'll start to like think about something connected to it. And as a, it's like a teacher me, like, oh, if I draw on past knowledge, it'll help someone understand this one. It's like, oh, wait a minute, time out. We're not. It's like, oh, no, I wasn't going to give you this as an example. And it's like, yep. uh, and I, I think that's typically the person describing why we're there or giving the updates is most likely the one that needs to be able to check the most. It's typically me or it could be Bob T. And again, that's one where everybody should feel entirely comfortable to say, hang on a second, that's not why we're in the executive session. Right? Okay. Uh, so, yes, I'm glad to raise that because make sure you stick to the actual reason for executive session. Okay, two public meeting law related things that have to do with technology. The first is electronic messaging. So, about that texting thing, right? Um, if you are um, texting to a forum of your public body. Um, yeah, you can have two products of liberation. Public. Everyone should be able to hear. Um, and one of the ways that we put this, I 
and by the way, this is true also of like a friend who decides they're going to send you a text message because you were like in, you're in the middle of a discussion and they have something to say. Um, we had people who got in the very bad habit of having the Facebook stream of the school committee open during meetings and then like looking at the chat. Um, discussion at the meeting happens under the under the authority or under the direction of the chair. So any discussion that's happening, the chair has to recognize the person who's speaking. That means if you got a message from someone um, and you start talking, essentially what happens is someone's done a public comment but only to you and nobody else heard it. Okay? So I'm not telling you to close whatever. Like you've got babysitters, you are looking for information that's back up. I always assume that anyone who has a screen in front of them has open for the right reasons. However, don't use it to get information, get, you know, information from your next door neighbor about whatever. Um, certainly don't keep the social media apps open as to everybody else who's watching the same meeting that you are because they have opinions about it. Make sure that you are actually adhering to um, Robert's rules, parliamentary procedure, and everything else in terms of the chair actually recognizing this Question of the And by the way, if you do text during a meeting, it is a public document. So um, they would have to, you, you could then say, actually, I was doing the nature that my 12-year-olds aren't running a house. But if there was something that was happening, if someone could actually file a public record request. So social media, and I'm going to, this is the last slide, but um, the, main, the main message about social media is to be cautious. Okay? Um, and I say this as someone who's been on social media since, gosh, forever, 2008.
things I have to say, and happy to take questions. But the other thing I'm going to say is, you've got a couple of you can certainly always ask your chair. The other thing that I want to make sure that I know that those of you who've been on the committee for a while already know this, you have field directors for a reason, and I am yours. So, um, MASC exists entirely to serve school of leading Massachusetts. That's literally our job. It's literally all we do. So, you are never bothering me uh, to send any text, to send any email, and to ask any questions, or to send any or to call me. I just tend not to answer my phone, and I probably call you. So, please understand, you already, the, the district already pays dues to the association. That's what pays my salary. Nobody's going to be charging anything for calling me, okay? Um, but you are never bothering me. No question is dumb. You are writing me to this, particularly those who are new. But if you are stuck, you have a question, want to make sure you don't screw up, you want to know how to do process, whatever it is, please feel free to get in touch. Um, if I don't know the answer, there are currently five field directors. Um, my colleague Jen, who's Southeast Massachusetts, we're retiring in August, Dorothy is retiring in December. Um, but I will certainly check with my colleagues and talk to you. Um, and then includes things like where does it say X, Y, and Z, or how do I find it, or what's the whatever. Okay? The other thing, of course, is the MASC does have a website which has resources on it. Um, among the things we do is we send out a daily newsletter of collections of news articles. We talk about sort of best you know, information. Um, we send out something called Daily Ed every single day. You can sign up on our website for that if that's of interest. I think what else we can tell you. Those are the main things. And about anything else you can, anything else you want to ask about, or make sure everything else knows. I'm sharing it over at Community Town. Good for you. Um, I've talked to the board. I've talked to the OCCF. You have already done the two things that I was going to suggest. Good job. But I would, I would love to meet somebody who's been in that position before, <laughs> and your network has. So are you on the list, sir? Um, I will be tonight. Okay, so post on the list. Okay. Um, and if you don't get any responses, let me know, and I will connect with my other colleagues to say who's having a little ride. I don't think I know of any, I don't need to think of whether or not there are any essential masks, but I want to say that they're generally asked to send me. Like their feedback to me was, it will be obvious that you are pro override in your position as school committee, so there's no reason for you to pretend you're not. Um, so, because that's always my argument. Um, so, I think it's Um, sort of like, you know, the behind the scenes stuff that's actually running things, and I think it's like 
Um, keep in mind that when you host a listserv, any school committee member in Massachusetts can be a member of a listserv who is a member of an SC, which is every school, nearly every school district in Massachusetts. This does possibly mean that you are posting in a forum in which either all or most of your colleagues may see it. Um, don't respond to your colleagues' question with how you think you all want to do something at the next meeting. Okay? Um, so be thoughtful about, first of all, if you're posting something and you're asking for examples or best practices or approaches, totally fine and terrible why it's there. Uh, be thoughtful about going beyond that into why I have a strong opinion and it's coming up before us. Um, and certainly if one of your colleagues posts that, don't then start affirming it on the list or give it to producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.